when you begin to look at what James is talking about, he talks a lot about works. And when you talk about works, you can get confused as far as the Christian or the lost person relationship. Somebody can be thinking, well, maybe if I do enough good things, I can get to heaven. Maybe this is what James is talking about. But James is not even close to this, okay? Good old James, uh, the, the half-brother of Jesus, the leader of the church over there in Jerusalem, the one who uh, willingly was the first martyr of the church who lost his head to Herod over there, uh, who gave up his life for what he believed in. Understand that when he's writing these words, he's writing to believers, okay? And you see, that's what we need to keep in mind. As a matter of fact, you know, I was <coughs> reading uh, this past week, and uh, I, I knew this from, you know, reading last year, but uh, I had forgotten about it until I come across it a while ago. Uh, but 2017, anybody know what 2017 is? The year 2017, it's the 500th anniversary this year. The Reformation. October the 31st, 1517, was the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church at Wittenberg. That's the 500th anniversary. And you see, why do you bring that up? Because as good as that was, and as great a start as that was, that was just the start. We've still got a long way to go. We've still got a lot of work to do in the church of God. Because we see, uh, look around in our world today and what do we see? We see a world uh, that that's, it hates one another, a world that can't get along with one another, a world that believes this or believes that, uh, whatever will come across the TV screen or in the latest magazine or on the radio. Uh, everybody will just go fall right in with it. Why is that? Why do people succumb so easily to the latest and the greatest? Well, because they're not grounded in this. You see, we have to be grounded in the Word. And that's what James was writing about. The Word indeed. The Word in Deed. Not indeed, but in deed. Right? Four words. The word in deed. You see, that's what the world needs to see out of us. When they look at us, Christian, they had better see Jesus Christ. When they hear the words that we say, they better hear the words of Jesus Christ. When they look at where we go, what we do, they better see where Jesus would go and be. You see what I'm saying? The world is looking at us. And when scripture was written, and this is true for all of the Bible now. You see, this is what we need to understand. This is why the, the beginning 
of getting back to scripture was so important. That was one of the uh, uh, battle cries of the Reformation was sola scriptura. In other words, scripture and scripture alone. Scripture was sufficient for grace. You didn't need anything else. You didn't need the priest. You didn't need any kind of a sacrament or you didn't need anything else that a man could do. All you needed was faith in Jesus Christ. But you see, we're still not there all the way. Because when this word was written, all the way over here from Genesis, all the way over here to Revelation, we need to understand who it's written for. Because a lot of churches, a lot of preachers, a lot of ministers, teachers, a lot of Christians think that this is a book, okay? That's a book. And the reason that we have this book is so a lost person can go and pick this book up and be saved. No. Not so. Not so. This is written to believers in God. This is written to believers. You see, the way that a lost person will come to know Jesus Christ, the way that any lost person will come to know faith in Christ is through you and I. A lost person can't pick this word up and start thrum, thumbing through its pages and spiritually understand what this word is saying. And you see, that's why we, I, I mentioned that. Because if a lost person picks up this word and goes over here to James chapter 1 or 2 or 3 or anywhere in James and begins to read that, they're going to think, man, this is how I've become a Christian. I do good works. I do good deeds. And I'll be okay. But remember, the word is written to believers. People who already know Christ. People whose name is already written in the Lamb's book of life. And you see, this leads us to a question that I wanted to pose to you this morning. Something for you to think about. Because a lot of times, you know, things like this will catch us by surprise. But, you know, I was just thinking on heaven. As I was thinking on what lays in store for us in heaven and how you and I as Christians think about heaven. And I want you to think about it. Pose this in your mind. Is everyone equal in heaven? Is everyone equal in heaven? Because you see, in our American Western culture religious society, that's the concept that we have. I go to church, whatever church it is, I do good deeds. I be a good person. I might say a prayer, I might sign a card, I might get sprinkled, I might get dunked, uh, but I'll do these good things and I will die and go to heaven. I'll be saved. I'm a good person. That's the way our society and our culture has propagated this. Have, have, have they put it out there that we can just be good people, get saved, and go to heaven? 
And then when we get to heaven, we're all saved. We're all equal. Everybody's there. We're all just nice. Uh, We're floating on clouds. We're playing harps. And we're just having a good time for all of eternity. Sounds real good. The only problem is none of that is in here. None of that is in here. You see, there is a standard that our God expects us to live by. There is a standard that this word upholds that we are to conduct ourselves by and our lives. It's like I was speaking with someone just last week talking about uh, the brevity of life that it seems like for so many in our society today and how that, uh, you know, you have young folks that are passing away, uh, folks my age passing away, uh, folks older than me, but it just seems like life goes by so fast and when it's done, uh, it's gone and that's all that there is, but it's not because this is not life. We are just beginning to get ready to live. And you see, that's where the Christian mindset has gone way off track because they think that in this life only we have time uh, to work or to do and to accomplish. And I was talking with them and I said, you know, this life is simply a preparing place. It's simply a preparing place. We begin to understand the concept of the inheritance that is ours, of being an overcomer in Christ and what he has done and how he has prepared a place for us. He told us that, didn't he? I've gone to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place, I'm coming again. In my father's house are what? Many mansions, many rooms. And he talks about coming back for us. He talks about preparing a place for us. And then the disciples, uh, the apostles, uh, when they talk about it, they, they write things that let us know that Christ is looking forward to coming back to get us. That there is a place that's being prepared for us that if we do what we're supposed to do, we are going to prosper in that place. Well, let's just get into this scripture. James chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 22. As I said, there is quite a bit within the book of James that we could uh, go through and pick out. But this is where we want to start. It's where we want to begin. James chapter 1, verse 22. Now, like we said, James is writing to believers, okay? He's not writing an evangelistic message to lost people. He's writing to believers in Christ. And this is is how we have to look at this and understand this and read this. We can't make this about going out and evangelizing the lost, uh, drawing lost people in because that's not what James is talking about. He's talking about the believer who does what they're supposed to do. The believer who believes in their heart, who Christ has saved, and who is now doing and living the commandments as they should. So let's pick up in the middle of chapter 1 there. 
where he says this, verse 22, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, of course, there's more in this verse or in these verses and in this chapter and in this book than we could ever cover today. That's not our intention. Our intention is to take this small portrait of this book and clarify it so that you and I as believers, you and I as children of God, know how to explain this to other people. In other words, this will help us to be disciples of other people. That's what we're called to do. Go, teach, preach, Make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. Make disciples of other people. And this allows us to do that. To properly disciple another believer in how they are to live their life. Did you know there's such a thing as personal accountability? world's not too big on that these days, but there is. There is personal accountability. Especially for the Christian. Sonia and I talked about this a little bit this weekend because it seems like every time you turn on the news, of course, uh, you, you know, you just turn on the news and there's like one killing right after another killing. But then you get into this stuff to where mothers and fathers are doing stuff. Mothers and fathers are doing things and you're like, what in the world are you thinking? How can you bring a child into this world and then treat it like that or do that to that child? I'm convinced. I'm convinced that on that day, that day when millions and millions of mothers and fathers stand before the judgment seat of Christ, they are going to be overwhelmed by their lack of responsibility that they had as a mother and father toward their children. I mean, I'm sorry. But if a man brings a child into this world and then does not care for that child, does not love and nurture that child, he is no man. You better believe it. He is worse than an infidel. Yeah, that's right. We cornered that word way before the Muslims got to it. He's an infidel. He's sorry. He's no good. That's what the word says. And it's more than just bringing home the bacon, putting a roof over their head. Oh, it's way more than that. Yes, it's about the personal responsibility to teach that child about God. All this garbage that our society teaches, oh, I'm going to let my children make up their own mind. Oh, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. No. That child ain't going to make up its own mind. If you don't influence it, if you don't have an effect on it, somebody else will. Amen. Somebody else is going to. Absolutely. 
And you see, this is what James is getting at. This is what he's talking about. That we're supposed to be what? Doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. You see, that's another thing our society and our culture has gotten real good at. If, if I go to church and if I attend regularly, if I put a little something in the plate every now and then, I'm a good Christian. I'm a good Christian. I've done my duty. I've done my due. The preacher, he'll take care of all that other spiritual stuff. He, he, he'll take care of all everything else. And you see, we put off the doing and become just hearers of the word. What is a doer? What is a doer? Well, if we look at that first verse there, verse 22, we see that word doer. And it comes from a Greek word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, all right? I'm just not going to. Uh, but it means this. It, it's, its primary definition means a maker, a producer, an author. Think about that. James says be a maker of the word. Be a producer of the word. Be an author of the word. A doer. A performer. One that fulfills the law. You see, this is what that, that Greek word is speaking to. It's telling that believer that they are to be one who when somebody who doesn't know looks at them, they can see the word. They see the word in that person. They see the word in their life. They don't have to pick up scripture and see what it says because they see it in you. That's what James was talking about. Be a doer, a maker, a producer of the word. You know the kind of people I'm talking about. You know the kind of people I'm talking about. You ever, uh, you know, been in, walked into a room or something and the group over there be talking and they see you come in, they'd be like, shh, better be quiet. <laughs> there, there they are. Shh. How you doing? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Not talking about, I'm not going to talk about nothing. Not talking about nothing. Or somebody ever tell you this, uh, well, I'm going to tell you all a story. Now, you might be a little bit offended by this. Well, then don't tell it. Don't tell it then. Oh, yeah. You know the kind of people I'm talking about. That when your life speaks to those around you, and they're like, you know, why, why do you do that? How do you, you know, I, I've, I've listened to you before and, and you don't talk like everybody else. Why is that? You really believe that Bible stuff? You really believe that Jesus stuff? Or, you know, you, you've, what's going on with you? They think you got an illness or something, you know. They, they think you're not right in the head or something like that. Like something's, something's wrong with you. Because you don't fall in with the way that the world wants everything to be done. And you see... People see your life and they see 
and hear something different. That's a doer of the word. A doer. And that's what we're called to be. Notice what James said. There they are. When I read the little words, I have to get my glasses out. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What do you say? Deceiving yourselves. Doers of the word. See, he's talking to believers now and he's telling them, I want you to be producers, authors of the word. We know what the word is, don't we? This is the word. John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's a lot of preachers and pastors today making a big deal about how serious we should take this. (laughs) If you would like to meet me after church, I'll tell you what I think about those preachers, okay? This is the most serious thing that you will ever handle in this life. More serious than anything. This is your eternity right here. This is as as good as if Jesus Christ was standing right here beside me today. That's how serious you better take this right here. This word. This inspired, Holy Spirit inspired word of the living God. People say, well, you can't really trust the uh, authorship. And, you know, we've got scholars today that have figured out better ways to exegete the words and everything out of that. No, no, no. The original autographs as inspired by the Holy Spirit, which were given to mankind, the words of the living God, is as good as having Christ here with us today. He is the Word. The Word is Him. The Word is God. And He has given us His Word. John says, be a doer of the Word. What did Christ continually tell His disciples? What did uh, charge did He leave with us? I'm going back to my Father. You guys go home, uh, you know, just uh, go fishing, plant, plant your farms, uh, kill a little time, and I'll be back in a little bit. No, he didn't, did he? No. Go. Teach. Preach. Command people to follow whatsoever I had commanded you to follow. Make disciples. And you see, that's what we're called to do. And he tells them, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Deceiving your own selves. That word deceive, it means this, to reckon wrong. To miscount. Think about this. To reckon wrong. How many times have you ever... Now, I know that you heard and seen the same things. Nobody's ever been to a funeral 
where the preacher gets up and says, this was the sorriest rascal in the county. That is, don't do it, did it? I'm glad he's dead. He wasn't good for nothing while he was alive. Never heard that, have you? I'm surprised to see anybody here today. I didn't think nobody come to his funeral. No, we don't hear that, do we? What do we hear? Oh, he was a fine, upstanding member of the community. Loved people. I've been to some funerals and I thought I was at a football pep rally before. I'm like, my goodness. I told Sonia, I said, if the only thing you got to say at my funeral is about some goofy football team, don't even waste my time. Just wheel me on to the graveyard, plant me, and don't waste nobody else's time. Because if you're not talking about Jesus Christ and his kingdom at that time, my friend, you're wasting your time. It does not matter how good a person. I'm not good. Never have been good. Never will be good. The only redeeming quality I have in my life is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. When I'm laying there, the only thing that will be worth mentioning is the blood was applied to his life. Jesus Christ has redeemed him. Yes, he was sorry. Yes, he was good for nothing. But Christ has loved him anyway and redeemed him. You see, to be a doer, James says, don't miscount. Don't reckon wrong. Because if you reckon wrong, it's your eternity. It's your eternity. To cheat by false reckoning. To deceive by false reasoning. You see everything in this description here. Takes us back to Genesis chapter 3. Takes us back to the beginning. Where God loved his creation. Adam and Eve there. Perfect. Paradise for them. Did everything for them. It's all right here. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to come down and walk with you in the evening, in the morning. We'll have fellowship. And all you got to do is don't eat of that tree. That's all you got to do. That's all I want you to do. I want you to tend my garden. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want us to have fellowship one with another. A perfect relationship. But we were deceived. Deceived. What did Satan say? You remember what he said? Walked up to them over there. Hey, that's a good looking tree over there. Some good looking fruit. Why don't you? Oh, no, no, no. God said, no, we don't need of that tree. Did God really say? Did he really say? You know, maybe... You know, I know what it, I think God knows that if you eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're going to be like him. You're going to be like God. Did you know there's a bunch of fools running around on TV and on the radio today that are teaching people that we're going to be gods? Still at it. 
Still deceiving people. Still telling people uh, that we're going to be something we're not. James said be a doer of the word. Not just a hearer because you will be deceiving yourself. And by deceiving yourself, you're deceiving those in your life. Those that you love and care about. James says don't do that. To reckon wrong is to deceive oneself. It is to send oneself down the wrong path. But like he said. You are to be doers. Of the word. Not just hearers. Okay. Not just hearers. But doers. Don't deceive your own self. Look what he said in verse 23. For if any man be a hearer of the word. And not a doer. He is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. In other words, it's a man looking in a mirror. Now, I have often said, okay, if there's one thing, right, if there's one thing that a man likes, it is looking at his reflection. I'm sorry, men, but that's it. You want to get to a man's heart? This is the way you do it. You talk about him. Make it about him. All centered. A man likes to look at his reflection. A man likes to talk about himself. A man likes to hear things about himself. Hey, it's pride. It's what it is the foundation of every sin that there is. It's pride. It goes back to the beginning. Once again, it's all about me. Me, me, me. That's what Satan said. Oh, make this about you, not about God. And you see, that's where we've come to. That's what's brought us to where we're at in our society. That's why when you go into the Christian bookstore, uh, you see all these books about how can God let this happen to good people? Why did God let this happen to me? There's all these little books, these little booklets that tell you, oh, this is how you, how you can make it through these types of situations. When, listen folks, it's never been about us to begin with. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You remember that? Remember what it said? If I ever was to get a tattoo, that would be it. Revelation 4 and 11. People, people that, that ever ask you, what is life all about? You say Revelation 4, 11. Thou art... Worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. That word pleasure there, people think, well, that's because God, it simply means his will. And by his will, they are and were created. Did you hear why you were created? Because God wanted you here. You see, Satan's still deceiving people, ain't he? This is, this is what James is getting at. This man that's just a hearer and not a doer, he's, he's one of these that's looking at his face in a glass. He sees that nice, pretty reflection. Then what does it say in the next verse? 
For beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Mm. You see the vanity of that reflection. That reflection does nothing but to serve the one that's looking at it. That's all that re that reflection, that that mere two-dimensional mirror reflection does. But you see, you remember uh, over there in Genesis one twenty-seven. You remember what God said: "Let us make man in." Our image. We are created in the image of God. And through Revelation 4.11, we know that that image is to shine through in our lives. If we are not reflecting the image of God, we're just a hearer, not a doer. James said this person that's just a hearer is looking at their self in a mirror, they go their own way, and then they forget what manner of man they are. There's no substance there. You know what I'm talking about. You know the kind of person I'm talking about. There is no substance there. You see them at church, you see them uh, all around town, they talk a good game, uh, but then you get off somewhere, uh, you see them somewhere, you listen to what they say, and the two don't correlate. They're talking all kind of filthiness, makes me so sick. Down there at the funeral home the other day, and this guy, this, if I called his name, everybody in here would know it. Always seen him around town, uh, you know, know who he is. Always thought he was a quiet person and come through the funeral home and I hear some of the nastiest talk I've ever heard in my life. And it's him. That's what I'm talking about. You take a man and put him in a group of a bunch of other men and you're going to find out what kind of man he is. And more time, it's a bunch of filthiness and it's a bunch of nastiness and it makes me sick. Be a man. Be a real man. Be a woman. Be a real woman. Be a doer of the word. This is what James is saying. You see, he's not talking to lost people. He's not saying get saved and go to heaven. No, he's saying believer, live like a believer. Do what the word says do. My Jesus gave his life. Now you need to give yours and live that way. That's what he was saying. Here we go. The 25th verse. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I wish we had the time to really, really get into this the way we're in it too. But I'm not going to. But this is what you need to know. I mentioned this word a while ago. And if you ever wanted to get into a study, this would be one to get into. Inheritance. Inheritance. Believer, I posed the question to you at the beginning. Is everybody going to be equal in heaven? No. No. We're not. 
we are not going to be equal in heaven. What? I thought, I thought everybody gets Yes. Okay. Calvary is salvation. The foot of the cross is level. The only way you get saved, the only way I get saved, is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Period. No work, no deed, nothing is going to matter. You only get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is equal. But what James and what a lot of the other New Testament writers talk about is our reward our inheritance in the kingdom. That's what Paul talks about. He says, you, you, you take these works uh, and some of them's going to get burned up and then some of them's going to last. You got these materials, wood, hay, stubble, they get burned up. They go away. And you got gold and precious stones. They, they go through the, they, they're tried, but they go through the fire. They last. And you see, that's what Paul was talking about. He's talking about believers. Same thing James talked about. He's talking about believers. We will not all be equal in heaven. Because why? Because what we talked about a while ago, this is our preparing place. You see, they, nobody can say uh, about somebody else, uh, you know, these young people that leave the walks, of this, we look at them and say, they were so young, uh, it's not right that they left this walks alive. But listen, when we get to the other side, we have no idea yet how God was pleased by what they did with their life. It doesn't matter if it was 19 years or if it was 90 years. What matters is that God was pleased with what was accomplished in that life. And you see, if God was pleased with what was accomplished in that life, and it was the gold, it was the precious stone that made it through the fire of trying, then that person will be well rewarded in heaven. That's what it's talking about, the study of the inheritance. What's going on when we get into the kingdom, the millennial kingdom? What's going on when we get into eternity, into heaven? Woo! That's right, sister. You got that right. It will blow, it will make us want to shout and jump. Take that right. You better believe it. It will blow us away to find out. You see, this is not just some ooey-gooey uh, uh, religion stuff that just makes us feel good inside ourselves and all of a sudden. No, there is substance to this. This is a life that's worth living. It is a life that is worth giving everything for. James says, be a doer of the word. The doer of the word is blessed in their deed. <coughs> blessed in what they do. Church, as we begin this new year, I want all of us to be blessed in what we do. I want us to be a congregation when people hear us, when people see us, they know that we are people blessed by God because we are doers of the word not just hearers, but doers. Someone who loves God, who keeps 
his commandments, who gives of themselves for other people to put someone ahead of ourselves. The biggest blessing we could ever get is to give of ourselves for others. These are not the things that saves us. These are not the things that writes our names in the book of life. These are not the things uh, that, that angels are rejoice over. No. These are the things that determine your inheritance in the kingdom. So think of me as a broker. Okay? Think of me as a broker. And I'm helping you with your retirement. Your heavenly retirement. Right now it might look a little slim. Right now it might look like, okay, what have I got over in the kingdom? How much have I accumulated? It might not be too much. But I'm telling you, right here and right now, you can start building up your wealth in the coming kingdom. I'm not talking about this kind of wealth. No. I'm talking about this kind of wealth. Spiritual. Spiritual. What kind of price can you put on peace? Do you have peace in your home? Do you have peace in your home? You can't pay for that. You can't buy that. Do you have peace in your life? Can't pay for that. Can't buy it nowhere. Do you have joy? You know, you, I was talking about a while ago, you, you watch the news and you can get depressed real quick. <coughs> David talked about it, yeah. Looks dark right now, don't it? Looks demon. Joy comes in the morning. Do you have that joy? Do you have that hope of joy? Do you have these things in your life, these things that money cannot even get close to buy? These things only come from someone who knows the Lord, who knows God, who lives his word, who is a doer of the word. Brother Mayo, come with a verse of a song. And this will be our invitation today. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit is dealing with your life. Now, you know this and I don't. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you or nothing like that. I'm not a prophet. Not one of these dudes on TV that come looking for you. No. You know if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. And listen, you can handle this one of two ways. If you want to come down here and speak with me and you want to pray at this altar, listen, we can handle it that way. But listen, it's not going to be the prayer that saves you. All right? You remember what Paul says. I hadn't told you all this in a while. I hadn't seen you in a couple of weeks. But you know what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. It is the person that believes that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried and was raised again according to the scriptures. This is the definition of the gospel. This is what it means to be saved. It's not a prayer, it's a belief. And through prayer we talk to our Lord and He hears our prayer of repentance. In other words, we know we need a Savior. We can't save ourselves, so we believe in what Christ has done for us. This saves us. 
Not a prayer. It's not tears. It's not emotion. It's a belief. So if you want to come and handle it that way, we can take care of that. I'll explain all this to you. If you're versed enough in that and you want to handle that where you're at, listen, you can do that as well. You don't need me. You don't need an altar. You need to believe. You need to believe. And you can do that where you're at. But listen, if you do it that way, I want you to come and see me or somebody else later. You got to tell it. You can't, you can't hide that light under a bushel. You're going to set it on fire. You can't do that. You tell it. But if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you that way this morning, listen, please, I, I'm telling you, uh, not because I am one, but I'm telling you, it will be the greatest thing that will ever happen in your life is to come to know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So at, while we stand this morning, this is the invitation. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, let's handle that before we leave this place today.